Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Hello, beloveds. Welcome back to Octavia's Parables. We are in Parable of the Talents by Octavia Butler, Chapter 5 this week. And I am your host, Adrian Marie Brown, with... And I'm Toshi Regan. Mm-hmm. Boom. Boom. And um, it's really good to be back. It's great to be back. It's great to be in the books. Um, so much is coming back to me as I'm reading this text. And it feels like this chapter, starts. some stuff is starting to pick up here as we realize where we are now. And Toshi, before we jump into the content, do you have any announcements for the humans? Yeah, I'm going to announce checking out um, Alexis, Pauline, Gums, and I, Marine Mammal Meditations, which you can hear on SoundCloud. Um, uh, SoundCloud.com backslash Song, And you can also purchase um, on my Bandcamp page, Toshi Regan. Um, Yeah. Check it out. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I'm going to announce that during my sabbatical, I recorded a few songs. A friend of mine sent me some beats, and I recorded some songs over it. Um, and I'm releasing it as a little sabbatical suite EP. Woo woo. And it should be on Spotify by the time this comes out. And so we'll see how that feels. <laughs> I was like, I might like it. I might not. We'll see. But it's there, and it's songs that um, moved up and out of my heart during that time. So, yeah, I think that's it for right now. So, Chapter 5, where are we? When are we? What's happening, Toshi? Beware at war or at peace. More people die of unenlightened self-interest than of any other disease. Earth seed, the books of the living. And uh, I just want to say that every day, right now. <laughs> mm. That feels I like say the it every truth, day. the gospel yeah, truth. Yeah, it is. So um, we are again with um, Octavia, and I'm saying Octavia, with Lauren and Ben Coley's <laughs> kid, also Octavia's kid, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who is on her path of, of um, researching a book about her mother to better understand herself. And so she uh, starts off with uh, some words from her her mother. She says, um, near Lauren Alamina's near 19th century existence, she paid attention to wider world politics and war um, mattered very much. Science and technology mattered. Fashions and crime and drug use and racial, ethnic, religious and class um, tolerance mattered. She did see these as fashions, by the way, as behaviors that went in and out of favor for reasons that ran the gamut from the practical to the emotional to the biological, human competitiveness and territoriality were often at the root of the patriarchal horrible fashions and oppression. Mm. And <laughs> I tried to read this for y'all, Good. but it is, <laughs> it is up there on page 80. And I would say, everybody just take a look at this. Yeah. Um, you know, we are in the era right now of what matters. Black lives matter. Yeah. Um, 
all of the matters. And this is a wonderful thing to read um, alongside what we're discovering um, ourselves. Um, so she's not, again, her, her kid has not been a fan of her mother's earthseed work, mm -hmm. but she said that uh, at this time she had, uh, Lauren had a, a real reason to pay attention to what was going on in the world. Yeah. So we start with the journals of Lauren Oya Alamina, Sunday, November 7th, 2032. Mm. And there's a big thing about actually receiving news like how do you get information and um there's one way that she describes it which is news bullets and she's like those are very quick flashy a lot of pictures very little content but just kind of gives you an overview of what might be going on mm -hmm. um but what she is looking for is well-made news disc and you have to pay for these things so they cost more money, but Lauren thinks they're well worth diving into uh, every once in a while. And the more we know, the better able we'll be to survive. This yes. is what she says. So this chapter is about news. Yes. It's about news. So um, let's go. First up, let's, let's do it. Yep. <laughs> Alaska is still claiming to be an independent nation and is um, making an alliance with Canada and Russia. Mm. And they seem to have um, a lot of the wealth on the planet. Um, it makes sense, but that's something I would, I would yes. never think of. Yeah. I, it makes sense when you look at it. Um, the climate is still changing and warming. It's supposed to settle at a new stable state at some point, but intended, until then, we'll go on getting a lot of violent, erratic weather around the world. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. Um, the water situation is, is still really shaky. So people are boil their water. They do all kinds of things to try to um, make sure that their water is as, as drinkable as possible. And because there are lots and lots of um, squatter settlements in this world, of this America of refugees and people needing to do whatever they can, Everyone has to be very, very careful um, to stay healthy with the water. And Kenya, there's wars everywhere. So Kenya and Tanzania are fighting. Um, mm -hmm. She doesn't know why. Bolivia and Peru are having another border dispute. Pakistan and Afghanistan have joined forces in a religious war against India. Mm -hmm. uh, one part of Spain is fighting against another. Greece and Turkey are on the edge of war. Egypt and Libya are slaughtering one another. China, like Spain, is tearing into itself. War is very popular these days. Mm. Um, the, <laughs> the other thing she just calmly puts in is the nuclear exchange that happened. <laughs> so there was a nuclear exchange about three years ago between Iran and Iraq, and it scared the hell out of everybody. And after that happened for about three months, everybody chilled. Um, but then everybody got it back going again. So it wasn't scary enough. Um, in the U.S., in Dallas, uh, in Texas, you know, someone goes off and is looking for an adventure and ends up in a squatter settlement. He wound up wearing the latest in electronic convict control devices, Oof. also known as slave collars, dog collars, and choke chains. And with that collar to encourage him, he learned to make himself useful to a local pimp. She is very concerned about this. She's heard about these collars 
and they are very sophisticated. The old ones uh, were worn more often as belts and could, uh, could only cause pain. Um, they delivered shocks and sometimes damaged or killed people. The new collars don't kill and they can be worn for months or years at a time and are used often to deliver punishment. They're programmed to uh, resist being removed. So this is a horrible uh, device that, you know, somebody thought of. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the first thing I thought, <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. I was like the Apple collar, the Google collar, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Facebook collar. Like, who's working on this right now? <laughs> who's working on this right now? The Amazon collar. Mm-hmm. I know they're working on it. So anyway, um, you know, after a while, these collars also give you pleasure. So they are very manip- manipulative devices. They get you into a state of where you you really do become a slave to this device and to the person who's in charge of it. Yes. This is like a phone. It is like a phone. And then we got life on Mars. Um, they're actually, you know, something living on Mars. Uh, she says it's a small and very, very strange Inside, although outside, they look like tiny slugs um, some of the times. And they live four meters down in a certain kind of polar rock formations. And they're not exactly animals. They're like little terrestrial slime molds. Um, <laughs> we're going to big up Octavia um, on, on Mars right now because exactly. of the, <laughs> the last Mars landing. <laughs> so she was... She's like, uh, but Lauren says, these creatures are living Martians. Um, mm. And this is, this is like, you know, she's excited about this, except for President Donner um, sold the last of their Mars installations to a Euro Japanese company in fulfillment of one of his promises. And so now the U.S. doesn't have any, anything. Yep. Um, and she reflects that she was born in 2009, and for as long as she can remember, I've heard people complaining about the space program as a waste of money and even as one of the reasons for the con- country's um, deterioration. Uh, she She's for the space program, and as we all know, Lauren thinks we should live amongst the stars. We should get up into these planets, and we should do something, and she wonders about the whole business of selling off things and where does the money go? She's like, yeah. where is our money? This is a question we could all ask today. Where is our money? <laughs> like where, <laughs> lit, where is it? Where is it? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so she is, she's going on about the, the new life that's born on Mars. Very excited. And then she's um, looking into this whole thing of where people have managed to actually birth a child, but not like from a human. They've done it in a dish. So uh, a child was carried nine months in a Petri dish and is alive and belongs to some parents. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of reflection from Lauren on this. Um, She just, she looks at it from a bunch of different views and thinks how like, you know, a woman, they, they won't need to like have no man. On the other hand, this just can't be good. We're not very good with people, period. And <laughs> people that you can just make in a dish is not, we don't deserve to have yeah. that, not at all. So the other 
The other thing that's that's the the worst news is that um Jared won the election. Yep. And this is uh this is terrible. And when Ben Coley hears this news, he says, "May God have mercy on our souls." And he is very very concerned. Yes. Um about this. And they they all voted. Most of the the uh, people voted for Vice President Edward J. Smith. And none of them thought he was a great person or an innovative leader or anything or strong, but they they voted for him to really get away from Jared, who feels very diabolical. Mm. And this is this, this is Jared. Yeah. Are we Christians? Are we? Can our country be just a little bit Christian and a little bit Buddhist? Maybe. How about a little bit Christian and a little bit Hindu? Or maybe our country can be a little bit Christian and a little bit Jewish. How about a little bit Christian and a little bit Muslim? Or perhaps we can be a little bit Christian and a little bit pagan cultist. He's just not for anything else existing, (laughs) but (laughs) but for the Christians. And let's just say in his light, Mm -hmm. not not the light of many people who, who practice. Christianity. So he is yeah, not a good yeah. person. Um, and one of the things that he is he is going to do is he is going to have some some shelters and things like that. And yeah. everybody's just hoping that's going to be a good thing. But he's a nasty, nasty, nasty person. And so he is he is not somebody that you would ever want leading anything. <laughs> like, please don't open an orphanage, evil man. No, no, please don't deal with people. Just Yes, I don't know. Let something happen. Fall down and be quiet. Um, they got a bunch of books. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Fall down and be quiet. <laughs> like, I want a t-shirt. Got a bu- <laughs> Sometimes that's just how I feel. They got a bunch quiet. of books. They got a lot of books, oh, and they yes. are so excited about these books. And some of them um, look really new, and they are going to be able to really educate each other, everybody reading. It's going to be a wonderful thing. So um, they're very excited. And I also just noticed how like, you know, Lauren really is the leader, even though she's, she's, you know, um, giving agent, her leadership includes independent agency. But when they're off to go and buy these books, they're wondering, should we buy these books? It costs a lot of money. But, you know, Zara says that, that it is, it is the thing to do because Lauren loves books. So mm-hmm. there you go to get some books. And then last but not least, Lauren is pregnant. <sighs> Lauren is pregnant on November 14th, 2032. She finds out that she's pregnant. No surrogates, no computerized eggs, no drugs. Ben Coley and I did it the good old fashioned way at last. And she is, she is hyped. For this and Ben Coley is like, we got to go. <laughs> yeah, Ben Coley's like, mm, not out ben here. Coley is like, nope, nope, mm-hmm. we're not having an acorn baby. We're gonna go into town. Yeah. I'm gonna set up shop. We're gonna we're gonna get away from this like you know life. You can have earth seed in the house in the little town, mm-hmm. and they're very happy. But Ben Coley is feeling the future very strongly and does not think they should have their baby. And raise their baby at Acorn. He wants a small town and a house. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, um, mad <laughs> I'm not mad at him at all. At all. Mm-hmm. And that is chapter five. And I know you have some questions. I do. <laughs> I'm just like this. You know, this 
this whole book is, there's so many levels of strategy to both what's in the story, but how she tells the story. And I actually really love that she does this news dump for us to just Mm -hmm. put us on the ground. Like, where is it that we are in time, in space, in international relationships, like all of those things. So a lot of the questions I have, the first few questions are around the way that the news is dispersed, like the actual Mm -hmm. way it's dispersed. Because, you know, the reason that they're receiving this world disc is because radio is no longer free. Um, right. It's not easy to access. And so it's like occasionally the news will come around in this way. So the first question I have, and I want people to think about this both at the like meta level, you know, large scale community that we're in. But also if you are like me, if you live in a place where people are experimenting with mesh wireless and mesh radio and other local communication things, the question I have for you is, do you believe that our or your current communication systems are sustainable? Like, mm. just as a start, can you imagine the the way that you currently receive news and information and stay connected? Can you imagine that that is actually going to be able to sustain through the changes that are coming? That's a great right. question. You know who I'm thinking of? Mm. I'm thinking of Malkia. So I love this because my other question, well, so the second question is, can you imagine the news being reduced and filtered in this way? Right? Because Mm -hmm. the other thing is we didn't always live inside of a 24-hour news cycle. And now we're so accustomed to constant, 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 constant news. But that doesn't mean more things are happening. And so I'm just like, I can kind of imagine this being like, there's only this much news in a month and here it is or whatever. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that I'm like, I could imagine also going too far down that road. But then the third question I have is, have you contributed to the Center for Media Justice lately? Have you contributed to your local um, communication organizers? Or are you in a relationship where you're donating to your local community radio station do you pay mm. for the papers that you trust or do you donate, you know, to to Wikipedia or any of the places where you kind of, I think a lot of us take for granted that we'll have access to information um, and we don't necessarily think through what is the labor that goes into creating those infrastructures? What is the labor for reporting versus just gossiping and and putting stuff out there? So just, you know, what is your tangible relationship? to what you consider Mm -hmm. viable, authentic, trustworthy news. Yeah. It will be really cool to put a couple of these places. Let's put the the links um, in, you know, the Open Technology Institute. There's so many places. Allied Media Projects, you know, this is one of our areas of focus. It's like, how do we create sustainable communication mm -hmm. methods that, you know, how do we do basically digital justice like, how do right. we talk about who has access to each other in a digital world and how and making sure that it's those who most need it? So, yeah, let's do yes. that. I love that idea, Toshi. I know a lot of things have happened, but I also wonder if we got the net neutrality back um, because I haven't seen that in the news at all. But I wonder if it's <laughs> like, I was is like, that, is it back to good? where it was? What do we have? Exactly. This like horribleness because it, it's very hard to. Doing searches now is is really like you need to have some skills. It's not <laughs> like I'm gonna find the news that I need. They're yes. not trying to tell you what you want to know. They're trying to tell you what they want you to know. Is mm-hmm. it, it, I've noticed that very much. 
So that is really good. We yeah. we definitely have to direct our resources towards the things that we actually want to survive. Yeah. Um, it'll be very important, especially since so many of them depend on um, support, you know, from yeah. what should be our wonderful government that <laughs> is, you know, mm-hmm. supporting the things that we need. But as we learn, um, that's not always the case. No. And it's something that I, I will say I personally shifted because I went for several years where I was just like, I don't I don't want to tune into the news. I don't trust mm. it. I'm not I'm going to follow the organizers. You know, that's who I trust. And that worked. And then as the pandemic kicked off, I was like, actually, some of these places, they're in danger of going under right now because of what's unfolding. And I want to put resources there. So now I'm just like, okay, like, I make sure that I donate to places that I actually visit regularly to get information from and that I think do Mm -hmm. good reporting, right? Um, All right. So the next set of questions is around Mars, actually. (laughs) That piece of news Mm -hmm. stood out to me too. Just, you know, knowing that we now have Octavia Butler landing on Mars. um, That's right. As a, you know, as permanent as a structure on Mars as we understand right now. And that that NASA called it that. And my sister Autumn did an interview the other night, a conversation with a rocket scientist from NASA. Um, and it was mm. really wonderful. But it was also like, yeah, some mystery around the fact that, you know, we were like, well, why did they do it? And, and the, the rocket scientist was just like, listen, we're we're out here in Cal- Pasadena, California. Like this is what this is Octavia's stomping ground. We love uplifting yep. hometown heroes. Um, she wrote about Mars. She wrote about these Martians. You know, she was paying attention to this. And um, the question I have around this or questions, there's a set of them. Exploration versus colonization is a perpetual question inside of Octavia's work, both here in the parables and in several of her other works. And these living organisms on Mars raise a number of questions to me. One, how do we all think about our participation in isolationist strategies. You know, Mm -hmm. what is our assumption? Like our assumption right now is that there is no life on Mars. And so it's fine for us to be making plans to go be there. But that also is leading to certain isolationist strategies here on Earth. So what is your relationship or are you participating in those? How do we do the work to deepen local efforts and local capacity without participating in isolation? And I even think of that as like, does getting in right relationship with Earth mean we give up the space program? <laughs> you know, because I think that there's there's a tension there that some folks are like, if we put all of our attention right here on Earth, we could actually fit, make this our home and have everything we need here. Uh, but mm-hmm. if we are meant to take root amongst the stars, how do we balance that without just abandoning Earth? And then the last question is, how do we appropriately orient to the sovereignty of life on other planets with whom we cannot easily understand them or who with whom we might not easily be able to communicate with? And I love that Octavia used the metaphor of the slime molds um, mm-hmm. as what she was referencing because we know from her papers that she was studying slime molds and that slime molds are really interesting, emergent life force that is able to sustain itself in a remarkable number of conditions. And we assume that there's not a sentience, even though there is um, a lot of incredible adaptive ability inside of the slime mold. But 
just because we don't understand it, just because it's not at a pace that we recognize, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not the cap- the capacity for sovereignty, um, that this isn't life, right? So that set of questions, you know, for those who really- are like thinking about Mars and Martians and and just the fact that it's like that seems so far away, but what it means for someone like Lauren Oya Olamina to be sitting in this isolation, dreaming of going to the stars and to hear this news. Mm-hmm. I often feel like that when I hear news of what's happening on Mars or what's happening with our, you know, with our space program and just thinking, God, like we could be doing so much more there, but instead we're tearing each other apart here on the ground. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think we don't do good when we put our hands on other things. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know how we had, there's no humbleness in our exploration. It feels like Oh, there's something. It's alive. Let's let's kill it. And figure out how it works, <laughs> like, and you know, let's do whatever we need to do with it. And it's like, or we could just leave it alone. Like we yes. don't actually like this isn't our planet. Like we're not supposed to be here. Um, I found that article. I think I mentioned maybe this article before. It's uh, called "The Elusive Peril of Space Junk," yes. and it's in <laughs> the New Yorker. It's um, on September twenty first, twenty twenty, and it's a great, you know, humbling look at our, all of our participation in space junk. And, um, and it shows you like how it started. What was the one, what was two, what was three? We're in the thousands and thousands now. And, um, and what happens to it and every iteration of creating, uh, you know, satellites that can do more and more and more things, the, the things just stay up in the sky. And they have, they cut, they move, they have to, they come down eventually, or they go on a journey eventually. And there's literally no plan for (laughs) for any of this. (laughs) It's just like, and I guess the thing that what really I love in this article is kind of the person who I think in the seventies was like, Hey, you know, when there were just a first few things up there was like, Hey, you know, we really need to think about this. Like, this shouldn't be a thing anybody can do. Like it, it has to be a very planned you know, everybody with money is just throwing stuff in the space right now. And then people were like, you know, no, it's space. And it's like, it doesn't matter how big it is if you're only using a tiny amount of it. Yes. And I think that I love that. That's one of the things we humans have to really start to occupy in terms of our thinking around what, you know, what resources we use that are around us. If you're only using this small part, then you're, you're possibly creating an imbalance somewhere. Yeah. Um, Filling it up. Yeah. You know, and I think that concept of what is infinite or what is blank or what is available, like humans have consistently gotten that wrong. Right. Is, Oh, look at America. (laughs) Look at North America. Look at this, this huge blank, gorgeous, lush land. It's like actually fully occupied actually in, in, in relational use by people who who know how to be in relationship with it and use it sustainably. But, you know, I live in Detroit and it's the same thing, that blank canvas, this endless space yeah. here to take and develop and use. But it's like, that just means you can't see who's there. And I think if we apply that mm. methodology to all of space, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it might look like a ton of blank, empty space to us. Um, right. But another way of understanding it, that is, our limitation might mean that we can't see who and what all is there, um, which That's doesn't right. make it absent of anything. So That's right. 
so yeah, I, I really love that. I also really thought the interesting, one of the most interesting pieces of this is the news about Alaska. And I want to spend a little moment there. I know that I, for one, have been like in the camp of people who think that California is going to be the first state to secede. You know, it's the one that we often hear about in that conversation in some way, physically, organizationally. But I'm like, oh, the Alaska piece makes a ton of sense. And Mm -hmm. Alaska, Canada, Russia as a combined unit Mm -hmm. makes a ton of sense um, because of literally being on the same latitude and being on a latitude that in a warming climate would suddenly become a more temperate, livable, um, and wet, you know, access to freshwater zone. And so I just think that Octavia was so brilliant for thinking about that. And the question I have for people to consider is if you knew, you know, in this case, it's Alaska, but if you knew that there was a state that was going to secede from the U S would you, would you want to head towards that place? And Mm. in what conditions would you want to move towards that place? Um, And, or are there conditions in which you would want to move away from that place? You know, so I'm always like, yeah, if you're seceding because you want to like get in right relationship with the climate and have justice in inside your borders and you don't think it's possible in the U.S., I'm here and interested. But if you want to secede because you're like, we need a white supremacist homeland or whatever, you know, then I'm like, how do I get to the other side of, of that border? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. That is, that is really, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I mean, all I think about is like in California, don't y'all need people though because from other places because y'all have the issue with the water and the issue Mm -hmm. with the fires and the issue with the earthquakes and Mm -hmm. honestly the issue with you know too many animals in the agriculture and and too many people living where they they don't they should not live they shouldn't live there's not the water right is yeah so i was like but don't you don't we need each other in some ways Mm -hmm. and it's always going to come down to humans behaving better on the planet Mm -hmm. like we can't we can't fight our way through our existence is it's we're (laughs) going to have, you know, a lot of people already do this, but we're going to have to find a way to we're fighting is just like the worst thing. Like it's what, like you have a gun. Like it just should be like, wait, you're not going to heal these people who are sick. What's wrong? You know, like it needs to just be so shocking. shocking thing would be to deny care and to deny humanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're building another apartment building, but we already have enough. Like, exactly. why would you do that? Exactly. <laughs> just be like, <laughs> yeah, appalling. <laughs> like, but you have a lot of money. How'd you get that? Should you solve that problem by giving it to other people? Yes. Yes. <laughs> In fact, right. currency could just really just shift. And you know, yes. I mean, this, this is could a, all this go is a dream. Right. This could all this could all go different, and then, and the balance between how you need to exist in the time that you're in, which is simultaneously having you participate in your own oppression. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know what I feel myself is I'm like stuck inside of a, a hole of rocks and, mm-hmm. and it's possible for me to get up, you know, but the way for me to get up is that I need to find the space that aligns exactly with my body and then shimmy up the rocks very slowly. Yes, That's how I feel my life is right now. And yes. Mm. And I keep like very slowly. And I mean, like, it's very slow and trying that. to get up and lose, you know, the depths of bad relationships mm. that are very dangerous and violent towards the planet and other people. 
that I participate in. And it's a very humbling existence at this moment for me, you know, just Mm. trying to like negotiate and especially being like, I was born in the sixties. Yep. So I was trying to explain phones to my daughter. (laughs) I was like, Like, let me see if this even translates. Like the joy of a telephone, like, you know, (laughs) like when I was really little, like everybody didn't actually have one, you know, and then everybody had one, but there was one in the house, one in the house, house. rotary, you know? Yeah. It was rotary. And you yelled at people like you yelled, Hey, there's no telephone for, you know, somebody called. It was a big deal. Like, especially a relative call. We all Mm. stood around and listened like, you know, it's it's just so funny. And why don't we got that cordless phone? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can hear <laughs> You're like, oh Lord, I can't actually hear you. Oh wow. folks was sitting on their porch talking to people. <laughs> it was great. Showing out. Showing out. Showing out. You can hear the trucks come by and then they would end up in your phone conversation because they hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah. It I was mean, a beautiful day. It's deep. Well, speaking of that, like speaking of old ways of communicating and and what we value um, that is analog, you know, I love these books arriving, this massive delivery of books and how people are like organizing them, like get grabbing them, what it awakens in them. And it makes me want communities to sit and ask themselves the question, what value do you place on books? Um, Mm -hmm. Do you value new books more than old books? What guides you in terms of the books you keep and the books you give away? And really just Mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, if if you had to educate a community based on what you have, (laughs) are you a good librarian for the future? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Beautiful. So my next question is this tiny little aside, but Lauren, um, you know, we talk about Lauren, her childhood interest in drawing gets reawakened by one of the books that she gets a hold of. And it always interests me because I think, and especially after this pandemic year, about what gets taken away, when things get taken away, when things get taken off our plate, um, what do we add back to it or what do we want to add to it? And so, you know, I find this is a lot of what I also do when I go on sabbatical is I'm like, okay, wait, Am I still in touch with all the things that I'm interested in and that I I think I'm secretly supposed to be doing? So for her, for Lauren, it's drawing. I would love people to think, what is a childhood interest that you could imagine reawakening if you didn't have access to all of the media and the distractions and the news cycles that you currently have access? You know, if you weren't in Mm -hmm. constant consumption, um, what might you create? Mm. And then the last question which I want to hear your answer on. How do you feel about Lauren being pregnant based on what you know of her world and her circumstances? Not necessarily what we know of what comes next, <laughs> but just yeah. like in this moment, being with her in Bancole and this this baby coming along. Yeah. Mm. How do you feel about that? I mean, I I actually, I remember reading this and at first and feeling happy for them. Yeah. You know, because it, 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 I think it's not easy. Like it's, you know, it's, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to, you know, to 
you look where you're bringing your children and children yes. are, are really under attack. Yes. Um, you know, through this whole journey, through the, both of the books, there's, there's, I was like, everybody in government like that is like, we really care about children. I'm like, y'all are lying. Liars. Like you're liars. You, <laughs> you are liars. There is no high level of like, again, that shocking thing. Wait, we, there are children who don't have fresh food. <gasps> you know, there's nothing in our government is nothing like that in the right now. So I think about yeah. imagining the future to feel, to feel good enough to like intentionally try to have a kid is a big deal. And I think it goes towards, you know, how strong Lauren feels they are and they're in disagreement. You know, yeah. Ben Coley is, is, is really happy, but he doesn't want to have a kid at Acorn. No, you know, he feels clear. so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy for her also because of how much of a nurturing person she is yeah. and that it was, it was even as a child in Robledo, she was the person who like, you know, looked out for the kids, taught the kids. She was really, she was interested in their education and their survival and, so I think it's really cool that that she gets to like be like, all right, I want to be a mom. Yeah. And um, and it's also one of those things that like kind of even the relationship, like she's with a much older yes. person as a partner. But like having a kid like, you know, whoever you are, <laughs> you're just going to be experiencing some of the same things at the same time. And so I think it's it's a very joyful situation and I'm happy for her that she she actually gets to have that whereas Bancoli is joyful but it's also like yeah. we need to get out of here yeah so he's, he's having a different journey than her yeah and I feel like that's the um I really appreciate yeah where you're sitting because that's the thing is almost all the parental pairs I know in my life now when I interrogate just even a little bit um have different feelings about how they felt when they found out they were pregnant how they felt about the choice to bring life into the world. Um, and I think that's because we're already on a precipice in which it's a, it's a choice bringing a child into this mm -hmm. world with this level of war and violence and um, predation and uh, climate crisis is it's a big deal. It's a big choice yeah. and it should be made with as much intention as possible. So I similarly feel this way that I'm like, Lauren in this moment really feels like she has weighed the odds of their circumstances and she can be happy. And yeah. um, after so much suffering, you know, that her life has already experienced so much suffering. I'm like, yes, this joy, you deserve this joy. You should have this joy. Mm -hmm. And I feel happy for her. I feel happy that her child gets to read this and see her mother's joy. Um, mm -hmm. It feels important, you know, like that that seed gets planted amongst the others in that soil. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Chapter five. Chapter five. Um, so Octavius Parables. <laughs> Octavius <laughs> Parables is hosted by myself, Adrian Marie Brown, and my esteemed colleague, Toshi Reagan. It is produced by Kat Aaron with help from Kinsey Clark. The show art is by Krista Franklin. And the music is Always See the Stars, um, performed and written by Toshi Regan. And God is Change, performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan, and written by Toshi Regan. Beautiful. And you can find us on Twitter at O Parables. 
and sustain our show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash oparables. And go ahead and be checking out our website. Um, we are loading more and more content up every day to make it something really usable for you. So Absolutely. that's readingoctavia.com. And I, before we close out, I'm just like, enjoy the respite, I think, of this chapter. Because there's big questions there, but I'm like, just enjoy that. That was that chapter because we're about to get back in the deep dirt. <laughs> so We're about to get down. Down in there. All in right. The dirt. We love y'all forever. See you next time for chapter six. Boom. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth all that you touch, you change. All that you change, change is you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, change is you. The only lasting truth is change.